for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome into the Blitz pod. As always, or I guess not as always, because I wasn't on the last one, because I was away on a uh, on a trip, you know, with some of my some of my fraternity brothers. Which it was a good time, but I was unable to be here for the pod on Thursday. But I'd just like to say, magnificent, well done job. I listened to the podcast on the three hour ride home, and it was sounded fantastic. The editing by Tyler was great. Um, Jaden obviously did a great job taking over as the host, but I am your usual host, Kane Schwartz. So I hope you get, didn't get too used to Jaden Kozak hosting the show. But Jaden, how you been, man? Doing good. I, I uh, figured out. I'm glad you showed me how to fix the podcast mic, so I could actually use the new one that I bought. I was maybe could have been That's even dumb. better with my hosting voice. Yeah, if I had you the mic man. working. Yeah. On Zoom, there's an option where you got to switch your microphone. And Mr. Tech Savvy over here, the the operator of our own Instagram, couldn't figure that out. It's unfortunate. But But you sound great now. I was able to carry the fort. Carry that fort. Yes, sir. That was a part that edited out of Tuesday's podcast. So, um, but actually, wanted to mention, it's just the two of us today for the first time in, uh, in about a month since we expanded. I guess you could say, but it's good to be back. Just the two of us talking some football, man. Just like the old times, we used to talk about basketball, but we don't we don't talk about that anymore. You know, we can. <laughs> basketball season just started up, man. Nah, Irie trade nah. packages. No, okay. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our content for today, and we will start with a shitty Monday night football game that we just witnessed. Which I mean, we didn't really watch it. Because we were uh, we were doing actually a four team dynasty draft that has Tyler North, Mitch McDonald, Jaden Kozak, and myself in it. So that was fun. We did a whole four team. It's two quarterbacks, four running backs, four wide receivers, two tight ends, two flexes. So it's a massive league. Obviously, a bunch of bench spots. That bench was a lot spots. of fun. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, there was a Monday Night Football game going on during this time. Um, we watched tidbits of it. I watched the end of it, but not a great game. If you didn't, if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss much. New Orleans ends up taking the dub 13 to 10 over the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the Saints now sitting in four and two, which coming into the season might have been a bit of a shock for some people for the Saints to be sitting at four and two right now. Um, but an even more big of a shock is the Seattle Seahawks dropped to two and five with this loss. Absolutely brutal. And let's just dive into the takeaways. And I start with, like I said, Seattle drops to two and five Um, and the NFC West. It's not looking very good for them right now. You've got Arizona sitting at seven and oh, you've got the Rams sitting at six and one. You've got the 49ers sitting at two and four and Seattle coming up from behind at two and five in last place. So obviously with the Rams and the 
Cardinals going back and forth for the top of the division. Uh, you're shooting for a wild card at this point. There's no chance that they make a division. So some of the wild card hopefuls right now, um, that second team in the NFC West, Arizona or the Rams. Um, but then you've got the Saints, four and two, Vikings, three and three, Falcons, three and three, Bears, three and four, Panthers, three and four, and the 49ers, two and four. But Jaden, I want to ask you, do any of these wild card hopeful teams have more of a chance than Seattle does? Or maybe does Seattle bring up the tail end of this? What what are your thoughts, man? Uh, as of right now, Seattle is dead. Uh, I think that they are in deep trouble sitting at two and five. Their defense is awful. Uh, their offense is simply stalled. Obviously, Geno Smith is not going to help you when you usually just lean on Russ to bail you out and you don't have him there anymore and you've got a obviously below average quarterback there in Geno and they don't even have their first round pick this year. So if they don't make the playoffs, if they don't make a legit Super Bowl run, which I see absolutely zero chance of happening right now, they'd be thankful to make it into the playoffs because they are still three weeks, four weeks away from Russ's return. Uh, and they've I heard he say I heard he's making better than expected progress on yeah. his recovery. Well, he's out there doing his going through his warmups like he's yeah. playing like a weirdo. Um, but <laughs> going think, out, going out to in overtime last week, going out as a captain to negotiate. That was crazy. He's doing some weirdo. Anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, I think the Seahawks are in trouble. Uh, I think that they're definitely better than Atlanta and Carolina. Just those two teams are. Atlanta's kind of on with CMC healthy. Uh, I feel like Carolina has like I mean they were with CMC healthy. They were one of the only undefeated teams in the league. And with yeah, that but defense that was looking Sam, up that was, now. That was with Sam Darnold playing at a with Christian above McCaffrey. average level. He just got yeah, but he just got benched like benched for PJ Walker. Do you know what has to happen for you to put PJ Walker in an NFL game? I know. And imagine putting, imagine awful. having a XFL former XFL player as your starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that that's would, terrifying. And their defense uh, is bad. Like Carolina's defense allowed 25 points to Daniel Jones. Uh, and like a bunch of practice squad receivers, like that's not good. Um, so Carolina definitely no. They're just especially with that defense too. Like with it, Gilly played this week too, and CJ Henderson. Well, did Gilly play? I don't think so. I think he's slated to come back next week. Gotcha. Um, and Atlanta, I just don't think has enough talent. Like they they beat a couple bad teams. So nice, yeah, good for them. Uh, Seattle should finish higher than all of the NFC East teams except for Dallas. Uh, Chicago, I don't trust right now. They've got that sneaky good record that we keep talking about about Chicago. But Justin Fields, it's it's not time to write him off, but it's time to say, okay, he's not looking good. Like it's not – we're still not – we've passed the point of like, okay, we're making excuses. You know, it was his first, second game. He's played – he started, what, five games now? He just doesn't look good right now. And I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player, but it's not looking promising. But – I do think that Seattle is really going to struggle to overtake Minnesota, New Orleans, mm -hmm. uh, one of Arizona, L.A., and even a healthy San Francisco. Like, once San Francisco gets everything back in order, I still think that they're better coached. 
um, good well, defense. Yeah. I think they could definitely, you know, in like I don't know what this how the schedule lines up, but um, their division team and usually they play those divisional games in the last week. I could, you know, in a winner gets into the playoff situation, I'd pick San Francisco. I don't know. San Francisco, they looked so bad on Sunday Night Football. And I know, like, the rain, like, I know that affects a lot of, like, what you can take away from that game. But Jimmy G, like, Carson Wentz was fine. Like, I mean, he didn't make any mistakes. Like Carson Wentz is good. Carson Wentz is good. I know, man. That's what I'm saying. Returning back to MVP form. Anyway, let's move on to our next uh, topic that we have. And it's just one more that I wanted to touch on from the Monday Night Football game that we just watched. And it's Alvin Kamara, man, returning to form of last year, uh, coming into this year and so far throughout this year. I've been saying, like, hey, Kamara, he's not going to be – it's not Drew Brees. He's not going to be checking down as much. So don't expect as much receiving production. And that had been true so far this year. But in this game, it was a whole different story. On the ground, he had 20 carries, 50 yards. That's no different than what he's been doing so far this year. But in the receiving category, 10 catches on 11 targets, 128 yards, and a touchdown. That is the second most receiving yards he's had in his career so far. But he's starting to put together a solid, like, I mean, he's had back-to-back games with solid receiving production. So it's starting to become a trend uh, in week five against the Washington football team. Mind truly, he had five catches on eight targets, 51 yards and a touchdown. And prior to week five, he had no more than four catches and 29 yards in a game. So for Alvin Kamara and the Saints and Alvin Kamara fantasy owners, everything is starting to look up like, if the Saints can get Kamara consistently involved in the receiving game, especially for a guy like Jameis who should be checking down more than he is, and obviously you still have to manage the threat of the deep ball with Jameis. Like if you can get Kamara and get teams to think that checking down is going to be the primary like mode of receiving production, then you can feel free to air it out with Jameis whenever you want. Like, and if Kamara can stay productive on the ground, like he has so far this year, like you're going to have those then play action plays where you have a deep ball that Jameis can throw 70 yards because we've seen him do it. So, yeah, I like the Saints team going forward, especially sitting at four and two now. So good stuff there. But as far as the Monday night football game, that's all we had to cover. I mean, like I said, not that great of a game, but Seattle on the downtrend. So. With that, let's get into the rest of week seven. And not, I mean, we didn't have a lot of great games on the slate coming into this week. And the good games that we did think were going to be good ended up being blowouts. But let's dive into that. The first game that we had as a headliner on the last podcast podcast was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. And wow, I cannot believe the result of this game. Kansas City loses to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee puts up 27. KC puts up three points in total. KC falls to three and four with that loss. Phew, couldn't imagine that for this Chiefs team coming into the season. And Tennessee now sitting as one of the primary teams in the AFC with a five and two record. So let's get into some of the biggest takeaways from this game. And Patrick Mahomes was absolutely mauled by this Tennessee defense. 
Mahomes on Sunday, he went 20 for 35, 206 yards, one interception, and he had a grand whopping total of a six QBR, which is by far the, the smallest QBR that he's had in his career. He was pressured 31 times in this game. He was sacked four times. He was hit nine times, as in that nine Q, a quarterback sits. And at the end of the game, or close to the end of the game, he was helped off the field with a supposed head injury. But good news for Patrick Mahomes. He is not expected to miss any time. He was talking to the media after the game, and he seemed okay. So things are looking up as far as Patrick Mahomes injury-wise. But this is not the Patrick Mahomes that we are used to seeing. And we've talked a lot about it these past few weeks, but he now has 16 interceptions in his last 16 games. He leads the league in interceptions tied with Zach Wilson with nine. And he has six straight, six straight games with an interception, which is the longest streak of his career. So Jaden, I'll toss it to you. What's the panic meter for Patrick Mahomes right now after his miserable performance against Tennessee? Uh, panic meter for Patrick Mahomes solely. It's probably like a seven or eight. Cause like I said, this, or like you said, this is not the Patrick Mahomes that we know. Uh, this is a guy that has pretty much been the consensus best quarterback in the league. And it's not even been close for the last two years. And these last, and I, I don't, you know, want to bring recency bias too far into this. And I feel like three, four or five weeks from now, this very well could come back to bite me, but he's definitely opened up the conversation as to who the best quarterback in the league is. And oh, no question. I mean, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, all could very well, like you could make an argument, especially for Josh Allen and much lesser Aaron Rodgers. They're better quarterbacks than him right now that than Patrick Mahomes. And it's, I mean, it's not something he's that he's thrown have... most picks in the league so far this year. I think there's an argument to say yeah. that there might be 15 quarterbacks better than he is right now. Well, yeah, but I'm just in a vacuum. Okay. Patrick Mahomes, you know, th this is not what we're used to seeing. You have two, the, the best playmaking duo in the entire NFL, entire kill and Travis Kelsey. Granted, you don't have much else outside of that, but when you have those two, that's more than enough, especially with the God given talent that Patrick Mahomes has. Plus, you have Andy Reid there to call your plays and Eric Bieniemy. I don't understand what's going on with their offense. I mean, the defensive struggles are obvious, but you didn't expect Patrick Mahomes to struggle like this, especially against the Tennessee defense that is really bad. Like, it's not as bad as the Chiefs defense, but it's pretty close. Like, this is the same defense that the Bills just went and shredded on a short week on Monday Night Football. I will say that final score did not reflect how well the Tennessee defense played and they played really good. Like Landry is looking awesome so far this year. So, I mean, their pass rush has always struggled in the past, but they, or in the past, but they seem to be putting it together, but I mean, they are giving up a lot of points. You're right. You're right. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you can throw this on anybody else, but Patrick Mahomes right now. Like, like you said, nothing's changed. Like, I mean, this is, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year and granted they got their asses kicked, but you know, this is the chiefs. Nothing really has changed. Um, the uh, offensive line is more inexperienced this year. I will say that, but from watching the games, it just appears uh, my roommate, he is a die. I've mentioned this before. He's a diehard Eagles fan. And he was like, this is reminding me a lot of what Carson Wentz did towards the end of his career in Philadelphia. He's just, 
coming off of an MVP, like I know he didn't win MVP last year, but like Patrick Mahomes, like used to playing at an MVP level, he's trying to make too much happen. Like he's trying to create too much. And I thought that was like, I never really thought about it that way, but like, that makes a lot of sense. Like he's trying to take over games. And like I said, the offensive line is in inexperienced. So like you could throw the pressures and the sacks on that, but like he is taking too much time to get rid of the ball. Like he hikes it and he's looking to do classic Patrick Mahomes, like run around back there, chicken with his head cut off and then throw like on the run Tyree kills streaking down the field. Like that's what we're used to seeing for Patrick Mahomes. But like, that's not a normal quarterback and he just needs to get the ball out quicker. He needs to stop trying to be such a playmaker, like get the ball out. Stop trying to like look for crazy things to happen. Do you, do you agree with that sort of mindset? Oh yeah. 100%. And I thought it was interesting because it kind of reminds me of where Aaron Rodgers was a few years ago, where he would turn down the easy play, the normal, realistic, what the play was supposed to be, who the main read was to try and make a huge play out of it. And he's, you know, we talked about that last year was like, you know, he runs back so far in the pocket and that would lead to stupid interceptions, huge losses in sacks. And I'm not saying it's coming back to bite him, but it kind of is. It's coming back to bite him. (laughs) And, And like, he can 100% make those plays. We've seen him make those plays countless times. And that's why, you know, we've considered him the best quarterback in the league for so long. But when that's not working, you need to go back to playing in structure and then build back to the point where, okay, now I feel comfortable doing this again because he just doesn't look comfortable trying to make those big plays anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good stuff on Mahomes there. Definitely time to panic on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs who are now sitting at three and four. I cannot believe that. But let's dive into the Tennessee side of this, which shocker, Tennessee shocks the Bills. And then I guess not really shocks the Kansas City Chiefs because of how well they have shocked me. (laughs) I know. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. But two back-to-back huge wins for the Tennessee Titans and their offense is really clicking now outside of Derrick Henry in this game. Granted, it was the Chiefs defense, but Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown looked really good taking advantage of the Kansas City defense in this one. Ryan Tannehill finished 21 for 27, awfully efficient, 270 yards, one touchdown, did have the pick, but he did have an awesome rushing touchdown where he like dance to the end zone like flip the ball up i love to see a confident ryan Tannehill, especially with how he's been playing um but his favorite target aj brown had a huge game in this one we had a debate on the last podcast about aj brown and i feel like he shut you guys up a little bit eight catches on nine targets 133 yards and a touchdown is he wide receiver one status now like are we gonna give this man his credit where it's due come on it depends. Like, do you have – well, A, it's, it's how many teams are in your league. You know, if you're in a 10-man league, probably not. I just – I just – I wouldn't feel confident this is about AJ being Brown. my best receiver. Th- th- this We've is seen AJ this Brown out of A.J. Brown. Day. No, yeah, it's we've not. we've seen this before. This is normal A.J. Brown. This is normal A.J. Brown This is Brown not normal A.J. Brown. Okay. In a, in a PPR, one-point PPR, that is 21 points per game. 
AJ Brown did not average 21 points per game. Any game he doesn't score a touchdown, like how many times did he get nine targets last AJ year? AJ Brown had, was a locking in game. wide receiver one last year. Lock it I know, in, no and that's because he got a touchdown. He had a touchdown every game, and more power to him. If he can do that, he's a wide receiver one. But this is what, his second touchdown this season? I know he struggled with injuries, but he played, I'm pretty sure, what, four full games now? This is his, like, second touchdown of the season. Don't I, I don't have it in front of me, so don't quote me on that. But he, he only had, injured. like, one game. He only had one game over 10 targets last season. Or um, might have even been one game over eight. Like, he's not – a huge target guy because Derrick Henry's there and granted Julio is going to be in and out of the lineup. So that provides a lot of, you know, AJ Brown targets when he's out, but he was not out for this game. I don't know. You're right. You're right. And weirdly enough, the worst tackling team in the NFL contained the hardest to tackle person in the NFL held him to under a hundred yards. So maybe that's why they went to the air a little bit more, but there's not a lot of teams that are going to do that. And they're just going to continue to pound Derrick Henry because it works. So fair. It didn't work in this one though. Like you mentioned it, the Casey defense, as bad as they've been so far this year, they managed to contain Derrick Henry to under a hundred yards for the first time this season. He did have 29 carries and 86 yards, which is definitely nothing to scoff at, but hats off to the Kansas city defense being able to contain King Henry, which is a, something that a defense in the NFL can't say so far this year. So good stuff on the Kansas city defense side, but like you said, like it becomes, they now have two dimensions because it hasn't proved for Tennessee so far this year that they had two dimensions to their offense. It really looked like their passing game might not be the same that it usually is, but they proved in this game that they need to, they will toss it to AJ Brown for 133 yards and a touchdown. So good stuff. Uh, just want to throw out some stats from this game real quick. Uh, on third down, Tennessee was 8 for 12, but Kansas City 4 for 11. Absolutely stinky. And the Tennessee Titans absolutely controlled the time of possession as well. Uh, 36 minutes in time possession for Tennessee and Kansas City only 23. So you could, you could honestly tell who won that game just looking at those two stats right there. But let's move on to the AFC playoff picture and what it looks like now after – two high-profile teams, one loses, one wins, and where they're sitting now. Um, Tennessee, like I said, sitting at 5-2 and two record now. They're two games ahead of the Colts in the AFC South, which it looks like they're just going to run away with that division now. Um, they are tied for the best record in the AFC with Baltimore, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, the Chargers, and Buffalo. Chargers and Buffalo both are sitting at 4-2 and because of the buys, but still – have the good records. Um, Tennessee is the third seed if the season ended today. And Jaden, where are you putting them in the power rankings among the AFC teams right now? Uh, power rankings, Tennessee is probably going to be sitting around eight or nine. Um, for the league or for the NFL? For the, for the, for the league, AFC. for the league. Okay. Um, AFC-wise, like if you're just going out of those uh, couple teams, man – uh, Buffalo's in front of them. Baltimore's in front of them. Cincinnati is tough, man, because I, I don't – I still don't know how good Cincinnati is. Like, I can't tell if what happened yesterday was just an off day for Baltimore or if it's just Cincinnati imposing their will on the Ravens. Because uh, Cincinnati could very well be 6-1 and one right now if kick goes through from Evan McPherson and beat Green Bay. Uh, 
I don't know, man. The Titans are legit. Like they they are sneakily putting together a team or a season that could, you know, result in a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, for sure. And we were talking about Super Bowl hopes before the season started for this Titans team because it looked like they were set up for that. I mean, I was I I remember saying myself out of my own mouth that I thought Tennessee was going to come out in the first game and punch everybody in the mouth and prove why they're a Super Bowl contender. And they didn't do that to start the season, but they're starting to do it now. <laughs> so uh, but on the Kansas City side, sitting in three and four now, uh, they are looking super rough in the AFC West. With Vegas sitting at five and two, uh, the Chargers sitting at four and two, Kansas City sitting at three and four, and Denver tied with them at three and four. So if they don't win the division, can they even make a wild card? Because you've got the one and four seeds looking like right now, Cincinnati, Vegas. I don't think they're going to contain. Obviously, me and you agree on that. Um, Tennessee, uh, Buffalo, but then you've got the five, six, and seven seeds, Baltimore. Chargers, Cleveland in the hunt. You got the Colts, New England, and then Kansas City. So, do you Why think are the this... Steelers not in that? They are three. And I know, three. I know. They are. They, they have are. less I losses know. than all three I... of those teams. Partner. I know. I know. I did. Uh, I did kind of stiff the Steelers on that one, uh-huh. but um, <laughs> just a running joke. Huh? But you look at this like Baltimore, Cleveland, uh, Vegas which will probably they'll fall below the chargers at some point, the Colts, new England, like these teams have with the way that the chiefs are playing right now, they have legitimate chances to finish above them for a wild card spot. What do you think? Uh, so as you say that I'm pulling up the chief schedule and Oh boy, uh, they get the giants next week. That's if they don't win that game, it's, it's time to start, you know, having some serious conversations about their future, but they should if they lose that game, out. they're out of the playoffs. Oh, for sure. Because the following week, they get Green Bay. Then they go to Vegas to play the Raiders. Then they get Dallas. Then they head into their bye. Then they get Denver. Then they play Vegas. Then they have the Chargers in L.A., Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati, and then at Denver to finish out the season. Those, There's a legit chance that after go from Green Bay on, they have a legit chance to lose every single one of those games except the Denver at home. I think, you know, maybe they go to Denver mile high, you know, something affects them. They have a legit chance to lose every single one of those games. Now, do I, am I saying that the chiefs are going to be a below 500 team? I highly doubt it, but this is not, this isn't exactly a favorable schedule. It's not like they got all their easy or their hard games out of the way. They've got a tough road ahead and, it is it is not looking good for the Chiefs right now. I, I can't say, like, I obviously don't have these other teams in front of me, but it's going to be really hard for them to make the playoffs right now with all these teams that are, like, not overly good, but they're good enough, and record-wise, they're better than the Chiefs right now. Yeah, no, I think Cleveland's better than the Chiefs right now, especially healthy. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I don't know, Case Keenum at starting quarterback, and I also yeah. saw that uh, – that's what they're preparing for this week going oh, really? against Pittsburgh that they're preparing for Case Keenum at quarterback. That's smart. I mean, Baker basically almost lost his whole arm in the last game. So, yeah. But definitely time for concern in Kansas City. All right. Another team maybe we should start being concerned about is the Baltimore Ravens because they got smacked 
on Sunday. The Bengals beat the Baltimore Ravens at the bank, 41-17. to The Bengals are sitting at 5-2 and two now with that loss. Uh, Baltimore sitting at 5-2. and two. Um, Very interesting final score there. But biggest takeaways, the Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase connection is something to watch, dude. It is arguably the most exciting thing in football to watch right now. Joe Burrow, what a stat line. 23 for 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And that's a whole lot of yards, but half of them went to his college teammate and favorite target, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase finished with eight catches on 10 targets, 201 yards and a touchdown. He had an awesome 82-yard touchdown run where he broke like three tackles and he totally dogged Marlon Humphrey on the slant route, which was, I mean, it's fun to watch. Like, it's just super exciting, especially since they played in college. I mean, it's a great story. So right now, do you think Jamar Chase runs away with the offensive rookie this year? Uh, As someone who has a certain affinity for the guy who's going to come in second. I think let's give it the whole season, but yeah. Uh, Jamar Chase, as of right now, is far and away the offensive rookie of the year. Favorite, uh, I had drafted him in fantasy. I wrote in my notes. I have like, I, I made my own rankings. I had like little notes, like, you know, this person, in case I just like forgot when we were going through the draft. I put next to Jamar Chase's name, I put no matter what, no matter what happens, got to get him. Got to trade for him. You got to do something. And now, anytime Jamar Chase comes up, uh, Mitchell will say no matter what. And I traded him like a dumbass. And <laughs> I was – but I was 100% right about Jamar Chase. This this connection is special. If they can get somebody to protect Joe Burrow in this upcoming class, the Bengals are going to be scary. Because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is like mm, – like – Brady, Randy Moss type stuff. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Jamar Chase is that special. I don't think it's even a stretch to say that Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver in the NFL right now. Not even, not even kidding. No, he's that I mean, guy. NFL, NFL scouts would totally agree with you. I mean, they, I was listening to a podcast today and they were like, I mean, this should come to no shock as anyone. Jamar Chase was the best wide receiver prospect by NFL scouts since Calvin Johnson. And yeah. And like, I remember saying uh, before the season started to Caden, and I know this is if Tyler hears this, he's going to be a little upset. I was like, what does Justin, why give me one reason why Justin Jefferson is that much better than Jamar Chase and Jamar and Justin Jefferson went and blazed every or not every rookie record, but the yards record, like he's Justin Jeff or fuck Jamar Chase is on pace to beat that right now. And like, it's not even close. He's supposed to smash it. Yeah. Jamar Chase, I said at the beginning of the season, I was like, Jamar Chase might be better than Justin Jefferson, and here we are. Like, no, I, I mean, obviously, like, obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight, but yeah. why would a receiver who was higher on the depth chart than Justin Jefferson in college not be better than him in the NFL? Like, I saw a tweet like that today. Like, I was like, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. And he had a lot more success than Justin Jefferson did. So I guess that makes a lot of sense putting all the puzzle pieces together now, but absolutely exciting to watch. Love Jamar Chase. And we, me and Jaden are official uh, Joey fan club members. 
uh, Joe. Why Burrow do I? Is. Why do I like all the quarterbacks that are in our division? Why? Why can't the quarterbacks and the players <laughs> that I like go to like the opposite conference so I don't have to play them twice a year? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's probably because you think about it more when you're thinking about. Like, maybe, maybe I'll like our quarterback when we get when we get our shiny new quarterback Wayne next year. No, yeah. Carson Strong speaking into existence. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, let's dive into the rest of the takeaways from this game. And the Ravens defense was absolutely bullied. That is the perfect word to describe it because I watched everyone in this game and they were just bullied by the Cincinnati, by the Cincinnati big play because they just could not stop the big play in this game. Like I said earlier, Jamar Chase had the 82-yard touchdown catch. He totally schooled Marlon Humphrey on a slant route and broke three tackles to run it all the way to the house. Um, CJ Uzumwa, the guy that we talked about a couple podcasts ago, a couple weeks ago after he had his big night against the Jaguars on Thursday night football. He had a nice game in this one, three catches, 91 yards and two touchdowns. But a lot of that stat line was padded by a 55 yard touchdown versus Marlon Humphrey in solo coverage. So I'm starting to see a theme here about Marlon Humphrey, not not that great and it gets even worse when you look at joe mixon's big play he had 12 carries 59 yards and a touchdown on the day but he had a 21 yard touchdown run to like completely ice the game like i that's the last thing i expected to happen in that moment especially for a ravens defense that looked stout so far this year but he trucked marlon humphrey and jimmy smith to get into the end zone like marlon humphrey was looking to get the stop like right up against the goal line and Joe Mixon just trucked Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey at the same time. It was fantastic to watch. And Samaji P. Ryan had the 46-yard touchdown run untouched at the end of the game, which, I mean, more than enough put it away. But what's your concern for this Ravens defense going forward after a very miserable performance against Cincinnati? Uh, It's not like super press the panic button, but they have struggled on defense. They have kind of – kind of been a bend don't break kind of defense all year where they're going to let you run the ball all over them, which has been a common theme over the last few weeks. And the pass defense is going to do good enough. You know, they're going to be able to manufacture pass rush through some of these DBs, but Anthony Averett has finally looked like what a guy who has, you know, been a fifth string corner for a few years is supposed to look like when he's playing in a number two role, uh, and Marlon Humphrey, I know that he got dunked on a lot. Like he had every single highlight play that the Bengals I will had. Say, it seemed like he, he has was to on do the it all himself. Yeah. Like, like he, he has to play fucking safety corner. Like he, he's edge rusher. Like he's everything for that defense right now. And I'm not saying that they don't have contributors elsewhere because they do, but it's just, uh, it's just, it's there was just a reason he was involved on it. It's it's kind of the same way in which the Chargers kind of laid an egg the week before against the Ravens, and the it was just a bad day. For yeah, the it was just, as a whole. Yeah, I agree. It was just a bad day at the office. It was just like once you started to get really soft. I mean, you just you just saw them lost confidence, and especially evident by that untouched Samaji P. Ryan touchdown at the end, which was just embarrassing to watch. But I agree with you on Marlon Humphrey. I'm not throwing shots at Marlon Humphrey. He's one of the best corners in the game. He just like, there's a reason he was involved in all of these plays. It's because he has to be on everybody, you know, like he, he's getting to the big play, but did not get the better part of it in this game. Um, 
But on the Ravens' struggles side, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but they struggled to get the run game going as well, besides the defense. Uh, Lamar, he went 15 for 31, 257 yards, and a touchdown in the passing game. Um, in the rushing game, he basically had to do it all himself. He went 12 carries, 88 yards. Uh, the, uh, the other running backs, no Latavius Murray in this game. He was ruled out. Um, Devontae Freeman, Tyson Williams, and Le'Veon Bell combined for 11 carries and 29 yards. They all finished with less than five carries and 15 yards individually. So, Jaden, I ask you the question after this disappointing run game performance, do you think the loss of Ronnie Stanley at the beginning of the year is starting to catch up to them? I do. And I, you know, you asked about kind of the panic for the Ravens defense. And I think the panic is in the Ravens offense. I think that you kind of are beginning to see what happens when Lamar doesn't play Superman and, you know, he doesn't finish the game scoring like 17 unanswered points and just willing his team to wins. I mean, the running game has been brutal for weeks. Devontae Freeman, 14, Tyson Williams, 10, Le'Veon, five. Latavius Murray's out, but if he plays, I don't think it's much better than that. Uh, it's just – scary right now i mean you get bateman back but when you're you know when you can't run the ball and you're the ravens you're in trouble like especially when the running backs that you have that aren't lamar don't even pose a threat like you you have a serious issue i mean when tyson williams was playing at least he was somewhat posing a threat to other defenses and then he's you know he's in hardball's doghouse right now i noticed at the end of the game uh, they had a fourth and 15 where they threw him like a six yard ball and he ran, broke a tackle or two, and then just like ran out of bounds, like four yards short. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but I have a strange feeling that that was a result of not being, you know, active for the last two weeks and being a healthy scratch. I mean, it's really hard to find motivation when you play well, you get sat for absolutely no reason. And then they bring you back in when it's 41 to 17. Uh, but yeah, kind of panicking for the Ravens offense right now. Maybe this is what, you know, this team should have been after losing all those pieces after losing Ronnie Stanley, JK Dobbins, the other running backs, Marcus you know, Peters on the defensive yeah, side, you know, maybe I'm not saying that they're going to get walked through all season, but you know, it, it could be soon time to press the panic button. I'm pretty sure they've got a buy next week to kind of figure this out, but. They better come out of that by hot. Yeah. Because the, sure. AFC, the AFC is not playing around this year. Yeah, 100%. And that's the main reason why you would be panicking because you look at the record, it's like they're five and two. Like, where's the panic? But that division is not playing, like you said. And you mentioned the Steelers, like they're sitting at three and three, and they didn't. This is a team that went undefeated. They were the last undefeated team in the league last year, so they might not be playing. And obviously, the Bengals and the Browns are not playing. Is either. this happening right now? I know. Is this man. happening right I now? I, are you I giving know. the Steelers credit? I know. I don't know how that Just came out. Quick of my little mouth. Steelers tidbit. I know. I, I don't know. Uh, right. Maybe it's more we're, we're arguing against like... the Ravens. <laughs> You're back to Lamar slander. I know. Oh, it's only right. Uh, we're going to look like pretenders for the next three weeks because we have the Case Keenum-led Browns and then we have Detroit and Chicago. We will 100% be Detroit's first win, though. So just just know I called that three weeks in advance. Just Good shit. Now. Good shit. Good shit. 
All right. Well, that does it for that dreadful Cincinnati Baltimore matchup. And as far as the other games, there wasn't a lot of marquee games and there wasn't a lot yeah. of close games this week. A lot of blowouts. <laughs> so Want to talk about dreadful. There was one game that was decided within one score. One. Mm. Like we've been kinda... spoiled all season, but that that this sucked. I know. Exactly. Which is exactly why. We're throwing out a new new little segment, which might not stay around, might stay around. We'll see. But <laughs> after this terrible week of football, um, I'm going to throw it out there for the first time. And that is the MVP watch where we will go over just the guys that are in the MVP conversations, their games and their performances this week. And I start with Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals and his Erica. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, advanced to 7-0 and against the Houston Texans, as expected. Um, Houston sitting at 1-6 now. Final score, 31-5. to And a lot of that was because of Kyler Murray, who continues to dominate. 20 for 28, 261 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. And it's so, like, I can't believe this kid is doing this. Like, can I call him a kid? I'm not. He's older than I am. I mean, he's but, like five four, so yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm calling him a kid. Like, that's exactly why I was calling him a kid because I was about to say they they showed a graphic during the game that all of his offensive linemen are at least six five, and this man is five. Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson's short because I remember is, them talking about like that being one of the reasons why they wanted to bring Rodney Hudson in is because he's a little bit smaller, so you know helps with Kyler. That may be able to see over top of his offensive lineman. Yeah, no, that may be true. But a lot, like the majority of the offensive line is at least 6'5". And I just remember seeing the graphic and just being shocked because how how you can see over that offensive line is amazing. But all credits to Kyler of what he's done so far this year. Um, Matthew Stafford is the next guy we want to talk about on the MVP watch, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams and in the Detroit Lions Rams matchup, you had a revenge game going on on both sides, which I, I listened to the podcast. I was surprised you guys didn't mention that because Jared Goff was returning to the Rams for the first time since being traded and Stafford was returning to the first time to Detroit since being traded. Um, this game was close for a little bit, but I love Dan Campbell's play calling. He got an onside kick to start the game. He had a fake punt and converted on both. And they knew he knew he needed to play this way to beat the Rams. And I, I loved the play calling, but didn't end up coming on top in this one. The Rams win 28 to 19, but Matthew Stafford has another great day. 28 for 41, 334 yards, and three touchdowns. So good stuff out of Matthew Stafford. And finally, the last guy that we have on our MVP watch here is Tom Brady, who smacked up on the Bears 38 to 3. The Bucs are now sitting at 6 and 1. Chicago sitting at 3 and 4. And Brady with another really efficient, solid game, 20 for 36, 211 yards and four touchdowns. And I feel like that's starting to be a trend this year. Like Tom Brady, given that he's 44 years of age, he's not going to shock you with the passing yards numbers, but he does not throw interceptions and he consistently throws multiple touchdown passes like three, four, five, like every week. So got to put him into that conversation for MVP. So 
I'll throw it to you, man. What's your updated MVP ladder right now? We've been posting our MVP ladders on Instagram and we've been occasionally updating them. So what's it look like right now? Uh, this is, it's, it's super tough. And I've, I've said, it's really, you can't take a week off. Like if you have a bad week and you're supposed to be in the MVP ladder, you are going to slide because everyone else is balling out. Like look at Justin Herbert, for example, he had a very bad week last week and then had a bye week and I, no one's even talking about him anymore versus a couple weeks ago, he was in the top three. Um, Kyler's number one. It's really hard for me to argue against what he's doing right now. He's seven or no. You can't. You can't play. He's playing great football. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's Kyler Murray pretty definitively right now. Uh, Brady is my two. He's playing great football. I love what they're doing in Tampa. They're beating up on bad teams and which plays in front of you. So um, at three, I've got Stafford. He's playing phenomenally again the last couple weeks they've also beat up on bad teams i've got josh allen at four uh it's kind of hard for me to move him down after a bye week and like i i hate to move lamar down to five but again you can't have an off week and like josh allen didn't play this week but at least he didn't play poorly and lamar did play poorly so Lamar's going to be moved to five, but hell, I mean, there's a chance that he could shoot right back up to one if the Cardinals play awful on Thursday night football against the Packers. Kyler plays awful and Lamar, well, no, they're on a bye. But anybody could move to any spot pretty much at any point. Everybody in that list is playing really well. MVP football, as some would say. <laughs> oh, yeah, and don't forget about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to sneak his way back onto this list very soon if he continues to play as well as he has. Oh, yeah. Lead, hell yeah. I mean, leading that Green Bay team by himself. I mean, he is – he proved to win MVP last year, so why wouldn't he be able to do it this year in his last dance? So, um, my updated MVP ladder as of this week, uh, like yourself, I have Kyler Murray at number one. There's no argument to be made about number one. I mean, team sitting at seven and zero. This is an Arizona team that was nothing before Kyler Murray. They were one of the bottom ten teams every single season in the league. But you bring Kyler Murray in, and what he's doing so far this year, seven and zero. He's completely flipped his franchise around. So yeah, Kyler Murray number one, undebatable. Uh, I put Stafford at two. Um, I you could definitely make an argument for Brady at two as well, but you think about <laughs> I like to think about this part of the conversation a lot. It's like most valuable player, you know, and that Tampa Bay team, like despite Tom Brady, is a very, very, very talented team, like outside of Tom Brady. But Matthew Stafford, like I'm not saying that the Rams aren't talented outside of Matthew Stafford, but all Sean McVay needed was a quarterback. I mean, you saw what he did with Jared Goff and being able to like mastermind this offense around all he needed was like around Cooper cup. Uh, all he needed was a quarterback to make that happen. And he's making that happen with Matthew Stafford. So yeah, I've put Stafford at two. I've got Brady at three. Um, I'm not discrediting Brady by saying that this team is very talented outside of him because I mean, this team was talented with Jameis Winston, too, and couldn't do much there. But I've got Brady at three, 
I've got Dak at four. I'm just, <laughs> you guys love to call me a Dallas fan. You guys love to do it, but <laughs> I'm just, just proving like, it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge, huge Dak fan. Uh, you can't doubt what he's done so far. He's got the team sitting as the division leaders pretty clear. They're going to run away. Funny with- how you're kind of, kind of moving Brady down because he's got talent around him, but Dak Prescott has arguably just as much talent on offense, if not more so. And he stays above a guy like Lamar. Yeah, but then you look at what no offensive the reason why my argument for having Dak permanently in the top five, unless he does something to prove me wrong, um, permanently in the top five MVP for the rest of the season is because look at what this Cowboys did. Yeah, look at what this Cowboys team did last year without him. Like Dak Prescott was on pace for 6,000 yards before he got injured. And then he got We're injured and then four. This is true. This is true. But you look at what the team did without him. They could not get anything going on offense. They were bottom five team in the NFL without Dak easily. And then obviously that was, that was enough for him to get the big contract. It was like Dak Prescott was laughing to himself because he was like, look at how bad this team is without me. And he's got him as one of the best teams in the NFL so far this year. What kind of what kind of argument do you want to make against Dak, man? So the Dallas Cowboys were actually two and three in the games in which Dak played, one of which they won, but Dak left in the third quarter. So realistically, you could credit that win to Andy Dalton. Uh, and then the Cowboys were four and seven for the rest of the season. So you're you're looking at a pretty similar record with or without Dak. Uh, now I'm not going to sit here and tell you this team was better without Dak because it wasn't. But he's clearly not better. That's why Dak got paid one of the highest quarterback contracts in the league. Yeah, but and I think that might have effectively closed their Super Bowl window because despite Trayvon Diggs being Jesus Christ, a team with uh, one loss so far is just like they've got their Super Bowl window closed. I with think, a quarterback think, yeah. who is going ham right now. <laughs> With an offense, yeah, it's elite. Yeah. Like, and I, I think I said this. I think I said this when we were doing the uh, divisional outlooks. Like, when you pay a quarterback forty million dollars and you still have holes on your team, which ninety nine percent of teams have holes on their team, you're 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 not going to be able to fix those holes unless you are really great at drafting, which the Cowboys, I mean, aren't. They've been trying to fix the defense for the last three or four years now, and they've only gotten a couple players that are true impact guys granted they got one this fall season in michael parsons but i i don't i'm not picking the cowboys to win the super bowl this year i don't think you are either as much as you love them i don't think i like i'm not picking them to win the super bowl but is it that outlandish to say that they wouldn't or couldn't i don't think it is i think they're a top top five team to favored to win the super bowl right now cardinals bills Bucks, Rams, Packers. There's five. Packers. Packers, Packers. are very well 100%. aligned with the Packers. hundred percent. You're tripping, dude. Packers You're tripping. I trust. I trust Aaron Rodgers over Dak Prescott. Ten out of ten days, and twice, or even three, or maybe even four times on Sunday. And I know you do too. 
I do, like I love Aaron Rodgers. He's probably my favorite player in the National Football League and has been for a very long time. But we'll get a chance to see what he looks like without Devontae Adams this week. So that'll be that'll really tell the tale. But so. this I think they get back to Ari back this week, too. So that this that's something that this team has been missing. They haven't had their superstar left tackle that's been with Aaron Rodgers for a while. Uh, they get him back. I don't know the status on Jerry Alexander because Mitchell's not here. So no idea when he's coming back. Uh, they're still waiting on Zadarius Smith. Like this team's doesn't even have all their stars, and they're still, you know, a top five team in the league. Fair, fair. Good debate there. Um, but just to finish off my MVP ladder, recap Kyler, Stafford, Brady, Dak. Uh, at number five, I put Lamar. Um, just because Lamar didn't – he tried to do it all himself this week. And he did – as far as stat line goes, he – Pretty much, he did very well, and I don't think you can you can't blame this loss on Lamar. Like he played fantastic. Like he tried to do it all himself, and that just shows you how valuable Lamar is to this team. The Ravens wouldn't be anywhere without Lamar Jackson. Um, but my honorable mentions, Josh Allen. Uh, I just I, this is a little recency bias. Um, just he didn't get into the end zone on that last play last week. Uh, that would definitely Jesus, change, man. Me. I know, I know. He had like three I know. touchdowns in that game, and he slips in the final play. And like you said, bro, this tie, this MVP ladder is very yeah, hard. He didn't to even have an off game. Didn't get in the end he zone. They lost. He just slipped. They lost. They lost. They have one more loss than the Dallas Cowboys. I'll tell you that. <laughs> wow. But also in my honorable mention section, Derrick Henry um, had an off game this week. But if he continues to do what he was doing prior to this game he could definitely slide back into those rankings. So that ends our MVP watch segment. But let's hop into another new segment this week that I'm introducing for the first time. And that is the top performers segment, which is kind of based off you through, you've been throwing the top performers out on Instagram recently and just kind of wanted to transition that into the podcast some. And I'll just start off the list, man. Got Jamar Chase. At number one, I mean, these aren't rankings, but the first player who had a top performance this week and the most, uh, I mean, it was the best performance this week. So, yeah, number one. He had eight catches on 10 targets, 201 yards and touchdown. I already said that, but I want to dive into some fantasy talk here as in regards to what this means for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd for the rest of the season. T. Higgins in this game. You said on the podcast he wasn't going to have a great game. You had him as one of your start or your sits of the week, um, and he didn't have that great of a game. But he had seven catches on 15 targets, which was five more than Jamar Chase had, and 62 yards. And T. Higgins has been playing unhealthy. He – or not playing unhealthy. He was out and took him some time to get back moving into this offense, but it looks like he's starting to catch his groove a little bit. But Tyler Boyd, man – Four catches on seven targets, 39 yards in this game. He's had four or less targets or four catches or less in five of seven games. He's had less than 40 yards in five of seven games. He only has one touchdown this year. So is Tyler Boyd droppable in 10 team leagues right now? Uh, yeah, I, th I think he might even be droppable in 12 team leagues. He's just not, uh, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, I wouldn't go that far. He's, he's not, he's definitely not a safe start ever uh it just looks like he's gonna be the odd man out on a week-to-week -week basis yeah 
Agreed. I think it's time to say goodbye to Tyler Boyd. I mean, if you're in a 12-team league, hold on to him. But in a 10-team league, there's definitely guys on the waiver wire that could outperform Tyler Boyd, um, especially with – I mean, Joe Burrow, as fantastic as he is, he cannot support three solid fantasy wide receivers like Tom Brady can. And like you said, Plus Tyler Joe Boyd – Yeah, true. Um, but Tyler Boyd's odd man out. I think he is droppable in 10-team leagues right now. But next top performer of the week that we had was Cooper Cup of the Los Angeles Rams. 10 catches on 13 targets, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. This is very characteristic of what we've seen from Cooper Cup so far this year. He is, uh, I think, the best wide receiver in football so far this year, and I don't think it's even close. Um, but in fantasy, this performance – Starts to throw the sketchiness into Robert Woods again. Robert Woods on Sunday had six catches and six tar- on six targets for only 70 yards. So as a rightful Robert Woods owner, are you buying low or selling on Robert Woods right now? Is, uh, is this the game that made you question Robert Woods' uh, validity? As a no, you're, is, I is, said is, you're diving back on? into it, man. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Just I think if you have Robert Woods and like maybe you have some other options, just hold on to him and maybe he'll have a good week. But nobody's gonna buy Robert Woods for anything near what he's worth. Uh, but I want to talk more about Cooper Cup. He is on pace to have, and I know the on pace thing. Like I can find you an on pace stat for Chris Evans, um, but he's on pace to be the best fantasy wide receiver ever. Like better than any wide receiver season by like a fair margin. Like he is putting up ridiculous stats right now. Uh, And this, this was a guy that there was some realistic debate was, you know, who do you have higher woods or cup? And unfortunately in multiple leagues, I had Robert Woods. So not happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about Cooper cup. And it, like I said earlier, it's just like fascinating to watch this Rams offense go like orchestrated by Sean McVay. He's built that offense around Cooper Cup and just how talented he can be. And we just didn't know that he could do this sort of thing uh, with Jared Goff as quarterback. And now with Matthew Stafford, they're making it happen on offense with Cooper Cup leading the way. Um, next top performer that we have of the week was Mr. Mike Evans, who balled out against Chicago in Tampa Bay. He had six catches on 10 targets, 76 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about Brady, but Brady threw for three, 600 touchdown passes in his career on Sunday. And one of those three touchdown passes that Mike Evans caught was Tom Brady's 600th passing touchdown of his career. And it's funny because Mike Evans handed that ball off to a fan which was hilarious. And that has been all over Twitter and Instagram. And that fan ended up trading it for like a thousand dollars in store credit. He got, he got two signed Brady jerseys, plus a helmet, a signed Mike Evans Jersey, his game cleats, a thousand dollar team store credit, a season pass for the rest of this season, a season pass for the 2022 season. And then Tom Brady gave him a Bitcoin, which is worth somewhere around $50,000. Oh my God, dude. What? $62,000. <laughs> like, 
there was stuff going around on Twitter, like whatever he traded for that game ball was not worth it. But obviously, granted, they uh, the like uh, some auction company uh gave like an estimated worth of that ball, and it's like five hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, had he kept that ball and ran out of the stadium, that's like life changing. But you know, yeah, the but other then- stuff's cool. I, I would rather have the signed Tom Brady gear and Plus, helmets. Yeah, and he also and... I think he re- I think he requested to play a round of golf with Brady. I don't know if they've uh, decided on that yet, but it, like he mentioned on the Manning cast tonight, that he's given him a Bitcoin too, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah. So, but let's get back to Mike Evans. Uh, balled out in this game, and we've mentioned touchdown dependent a lot on this podcast, and Mike Evans is one of those guys, but. He's Tom Brady's favorite end zone target, and I don't see it ending anytime soon for Mike Evans. What do you think? It ends when Gronk comes back. Oh, really? I think it ends when Gronk comes back. I think you got a point. Uh, Because, you know, you saw through the first four weeks, or the first, what, two weeks, Gronk had like four touchdowns. Like when Gronk is in, he is the guy because he wants to get Gronk involved. That's his boy. Uh, I also think that when AB is there, he's not the red zone target, but he's definitely, you know, the primary read on a lot of their plays like you've seen when ab is i would argue that mike evans is the primary read a lot just watching the games it's it's really hard because all three of these receivers could go off on any given day and the other two could suck one of them could suck they all no no they're never all three gonna suck um but like this week i had the luxury of playing both godwin playing against both godwin and evans and i was like there's no way that both of them even like both of them come close to their projection one of them is going to score in single digits and low i and remember you telling me that. 56 points yep i i just I, I have no words um but you know i think like i said i think when ab comes back it takes a chunk out of both of their targets and we're going to go back to one of them completely busts and it's just you're playing russian roulette every week yeah um personally i'm taking mike evans over the other two for the rest of the season um tom brady absolutely loves mike evans and he's made a point to get him i mean he made a point last year i mentioned it earlier in a podcast earlier this year he made a point to get him to a thousand yards last year he said great things about mike evans so that's my number one um it sounds like ab might be yours but Good points. I mean, all these guys are going to contribute in a Tom Brady-led offense. The next top performer that we have of the week is Mr. Kyle Pitts, who has strung together back-to-back performances of great stat lines. Uh, As far as the game goes, uh, Atlanta, in a close one, beat Miami 30-28. to But Kyle Pitts was a lot of the reason why Atlanta was so successful. Kyle Pitts had seven catches on eight targets, 163 yards. So Kyle Pitts finally returning on the preseason hype that was all over him. And I want to ask, man, do you think this starts to like single out like or starts to like put Calvin Ridley on an island in this offense? Like maybe he's starting to get singled out a little bit, like zoned out by Kyle Pitts. I don't know. I wouldn't say he's singled out. Like I wouldn't say Kyle Pitts is the only option here because I, that, that's just not true. Calvin Ridley is still there. Calvin Ridley is good. 
I do think though that we weigh as just as a fantasy community, we way over jumped the gun on Calvin Ridley. This was a guy that I think PFF had him as like their number two overall receiver. Like, and he is, he's not even been close. Um, it, it's just been somewhat disappointing for people that especially took Calvin Ridley over Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, um, even DeAndre Hopkins, who's also been, yeah, I mean, well, everybody took Calvin Ridley over Cooper Cup, but like these yeah. Justin Jeffersons, and I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins, who's been somewhat disappointing to certain fantasy managers, um, <laughs> like he, he's just been meh. And the emergence of Cordero Patterson has also hurt that because they get to use him out of the backfield. Uh, Calvin Ridley just not in wide receiver one tier as of right this second. Fair, fair. Um, I will say that he had 10 targets in this game, but he only turned it into 26 yards. He's had no games more than 80 yards receiving. He's has one touchdown all season, and that came in this game. So I think it's time to panic a little bit just because – how many fantasy productive weapons can Matt Ryan support? Like, I think he can only support one. And it seems like it's leaning toward Kyle Pitts now with the back-to-back performances of very nice days. So good talk there. Good talk. Next top performer we have of the week is Damian Harris who absolutely balled out against the Jets. I mean, all of New England's roster balled out against the Jets. The final score in this one was 54 to 13. Wow. Bill must have been so happy on the inside because he obviously didn't show any emotion. The last time the Patriots scored 50-plus points was was September of 2015. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's hard to believe that you could do that without Tom Brady as your quarterback, but it is the Jets. Let's say that, but very impressive performance from New England, but especially Damian Harris, who finished with 14 carries, 106 yards and two touchdowns. He now has a touchdown in three consecutive games. He has more than 100 yards in back to back games. So in fantasy, where are you putting Damian Harris in the running back conversation? Uh, it's kind of weird because we know that they still have Ramondre Stevenson there. We know that they still have Brandon Bolden there. Uh, and he's just been wildly inconsistent so far. He's had multiple games in single digits. Then he's the last two weeks, he's been 15. I think he had 18 last week, finishes with 25 this week. Like, it's really hard to guess what they're going to do, but it's so hard because but you're starting to see a trend here. Yeah, he's going to get the rushing work. And, like, you know, he got two touchdowns this week. If he doesn't finish with any touchdowns like he has in the past, he's going to finish, you know, he's going to be a disappointment because he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't get the targets, even though he's fully capable. They just don't use him that way, which is kind of frustrating if you're a Harris owner. Um, But I'd still probably put him uh, maybe high-end RB2. If if he's your RB1, you're in trouble, but high to mid RB2. Yeah, totally agree. I'm putting him in like the Chris Carson range right now. You know, like Chris Carson doesn't get a whole lot of receiving work. Yeah, yeah, healthier Chris Carson. Like he doesn't get the receiving work, but does plenty on the ground to make him a worthwhile fantasy option. Um, Definitely in standard leagues, he's a stud. Uh, 
But like you said, the receiving production that he does not have kind of hurts you. But he's been balling out, man, balling out. Former Alabama running back, too. Alabama may be running back you, to be honest. I mean, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris. Harris. Yeah, I know. The best. That, I guess Alabama Harris. college football is pretty good. I mean, yeah. they're like football you almost. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it for sure. All right. Honorable mentions this week. Want to throw these out there, the ones that we didn't end up putting on Instagram. And I want to start with Dearness Johnson, who had a very nice game on Thursday, 22 carries, 146 yards and a touchdown. Uh, did this in the absence of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But Dearness Johnson had a hell of a game and he got a shout out on Twitter from LeBron. So you made the big time, Dearness. Welcome. Uh, A.J. Brown, I mentioned it earlier. Had a very nice day, eight catches on nine targets, 133 yards and a touchdown. So he's definitely in the honorable mention category. And Joe Burrow, 23 for 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, Half of that came from Jamar Chase. But what Joe Burrow has been able to do so far this year has been impressive. And obviously, if you put up 400 yards passing, you had a pretty good week. So he is also in the honorable mention section. So. That does it for our top performers segments, but let's hop into some of the other games that we saw this week uh, that we haven't covered so far. And I will start with my Washington football team taking yet another loss at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay sitting at six and one now. And the Washington football team is sitting at two and five. Aaron Rodgers threw for three touchdowns in this one to push the Packers to their six and one record. Uh, really quickly, I just want to give my thoughts on this game. Not going to lie to you, I didn't even watch like the first quarter because I was like, this is going to be a blowout. I'm so sick of this team, especially with everything going on with ownership and us literally getting investigated by the FBI. Um, it's not good, and I just don't want to watch it right now. But we were close in that first half, so I ended up throwing it on. But Taylor Heineke, man, like I like he's very, very fun to watch. But like, he's not—he's not an NFL quarterback, dude. He like Terry McLaurin is his first read every single time, and he takes so long to transition from Terry in his reads. Like he—I I watched a play where literally he stared at Terry McLaurin the whole route, and then threw it to him on third down, and yeah, it got deflected, and because uh, it was red the whole time like a book because he was just staring at him it's terrible like i mean terry mclaurin would be my first read too but like it's about the it, most people's first read yeah yeah Especially when the like, second read is, is curtis samuel back or nope curtis samuel wasn't back it's yeah it's the ricky seals jones or, yeah. or ricky seals jones i would or jd mckissick pretty much on terry mclaurin yeah but like i'm sure it's antonio gibson right no, Tony uh, Gibson. By the way, in fantasy, he is not even an RB two right now. He, I would call him stinker. a flex play. Yeah, he's a stinker. But Heineke just can't get it done. He did have ninety five yards of rushing in this game, which was impressive and fun to he's watch. Crazy. But what? I know, I know, very impressive. But he he like fell right before the like goal line, like just like oh, yeah, falls. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't call it a touchdown. He thought he was in. So then they go for the quarterback sneak and he fumbles it and regains possession over the pile. 
and thought he was in on that one too, but obviously you're not. That's not a touchdown in either of those. He said in the post-game press conference, he was like, I don't want to like, I don't want to create a whole controversy, but I thought I was in both times. Like, no, you weren't, bro. Like anybody, like anybody that watches any football knows you weren't in the end zone both those times. Do I wish he was in? Yes. But anyway, let's move on from that game and dive into the Carolina New York game. And the Carolina Panthers, they dropped their fourth straight in this one. They let the Giants, a <laughs> the, the Giants down their last available options with all the injuries going on right now. They put up 25 and the Panthers put up three. Panthers now sitting at three and four. The Giants sitting at two and five. And Sam Darnold was benched in this game for P.J. Walker it's just not good. And we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast. Like it's not good, not good in Carolina right now. You can't that you can't get the ball to Christian McCaffrey if he's injured and he seems to not be able to get the ball to anybody else. So bad stuff in Carolina going on right now, but I do see this team picking it up when CMC comes back, obviously. And once Stefan Gilmore and CJ Henderson get a hold of the defense, but there's not a lot of time left, man. We're already at week eight. So also Las Vegas comes out on top of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Vegas puts up 33. Philadelphia puts up 22. Uh, the Eagles fall to two and five. The Raiders move to an impressive five and two, winning two straight since losing John Gruden. Uh, I will mention that they played the who they played last week. Oh, they played the Broncos, and then they played the Eagles. So not the toughest of competition, but Derek Carr continues to ball out. He went 31 for 34, only missed three passes, uh, 323 yards and two touchdowns. So if Derek Carr keeps this up. I mean, if the, if the Vegas, if Raiders are actually like a five and two team, then I think Derek Carr belongs in the MVP conversation because he is willing that team to wins. So as ridiculous, the MVP ladder. I know. I know. (laughs) All right. Then we have the Indianapolis San Francisco game on Sunday night, which ended up being a stinker. It was raining the whole time. There was, I don't even know what kind of weather condition they said it was. It was like, I don't know. It was something weird, but a lot of rain. It was pouring the whole game. So not a lot to take from this game, but Indianapolis, they moved to three and four. San Francisco moves to uh, two and four. Um, Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor, they put up this whole offense, put up 30 points in this game. And at the hands of Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor, this Colts offense is really starting to put it together. I love Jonathan Taylor balled out again. He went 100 yards in this game. He's had 100 yards in like, I'm not sure, the past like four games. So people who drafted Jonathan Taylor high are definitely happy. And Carson Wentz, man. He is looking like his old MVP self. He's playing with swagger right now. What you think? What you think of the fellow ginger, man? I want to want to hear your thoughts. Uh, it's nice to see a fellow ginger do well. Uh, I was like weird on the Colts. I couldn't decide whether I liked them or not, but I definitely didn't think they would start out zero or zero and three. Um, so like I would have, you know, I'm happy to see them do well. I like Jonathan Taylor. I like Wentz. Uh, you like Michael Pittman. So great things going on in ending right now. I'm the only one who likes Michael Pittman. 
<laughs> Dude, uh, Michael Pittman went for 100 yards in this game. Just saying. He's starting to really prove why he is a baller. When I mentioned last year that he is a baller and you scoffed in my face. Absolutely scoffed. So I can't wait for Donovan Peoples-Jones to go off next year. <laughs> baller. <laughs> Uh, all right. Last thing I wanted to dive into after this week was um, the Zach Wilson injury. He's out two to four weeks of PCL injury. Um, just tire straights in New York right now. They traded for Joe Flacco today. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They, but Joe Flacco proved very successful. I mean, not very successful, but he proved to be a starting Staying quarterback last successful. year for them. <laughs> MVP caliber. Yeah. Um, no. Nah. But he proved to have some sort of success in the New York Jets offense last year. So, yeah, why not bring him on for two to four weeks while Zach Wilson is out? Good stuff. All right. The final thing that we're going to dive into today is the Thursday night football preview. And on the paper, it looks like a great matchup. It looks like one of the games of the year, potentially. Green Bay, who's sitting at six and one at the undefeated. Arizona Cardinals who are sitting at seven and oh and the things to watch in this game it's going to be a quarterback duel for the ages Kyler Murray on the season he's sitting with over 2,000 yards fifth in the league 17 touchdowns tied for fourth five interceptions and a 65.1 QBR average with his fourth and he's going up against a Green Bay defense that has played better than expected so far this year, especially without Jair Alexander. Granted, that hasn't been that long, but we didn't expect this Green Bay defense to do a whole lot this year, but especially after some of their early performances. But they're starting to put it together. Tenth least passing yards allowed so far, 229, 229.9 yards per game. Um, but they are tied for the third most passing touchdowns allowed with 14, and they've allowed the second most rushing yards to quarterbacks so far this year. And that is bad news when you're playing Kyler Murray. On the other side, you have Aaron Rodgers. We were talking about him earlier. Obviously a fucking dog on the season. He's fitting at, uh, sitting at 1,700 yards, 17th in the league, 15 touchdowns, which is tied for seventh, only three interceptions, and a 66.2 average QPR rating, which is third. And he's going up against Arizona defense that has absolutely balled out this year, especially considering their expectations coming into the year. They've allowed the fourth least passing yards at 219.1 yards per game. Uh, they are tied for the fifth least passing touchdowns allowed with nine. And they have six interceptions in seven games. So very impressive from the Arizona defense but I mentioned before I said the matchup that we thought this was going to be a game of the year kind of matchup but the reason why it might not be is we got some news today that Devontae Adams has been placed on the COVID-19 list uh, due to a positive test because he came out in the offseason and said that he was vaccinated and those unfamiliar with the COVID-19 list, you need two negative tests 24 hours apart before Thursday, and that is unlikely to happen on such a short game. But Devontae Adams has been the key source of the Green Bay offense, 52 targets, 744 yards, and three touchdowns. He leads the league in target share, and the options outside of Devontae Adams 
are not very pretty. You don't have Marquez Valdez scantling right now. He's on IR. Uh, you've got, but you do have Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, and Aaron Jones, who's also receiving back. So the options are not looking too pretty. How do you think that Aaron Rodgers will fare without his favorite target, Devontae Adams? Uh, kind of how he fared for a while without him. I mean, there was a time in which Devontae Adams wasn't very good. And then there was a time where Devontae yeah, Adams was hurt a lot of the but time. But then you had Jordy Nelson. Well, yeah, um, I'm saying like in the middle of that, in the middle seasons in between when Devontae Adams wasn't this, you know, elite guy. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to be able to take advantage of the fact that they don't have to guard Devontae Adams all game. So now you can kind of limit Aaron Jones as much as you can. And, you know, if Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard beat you, Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard beat you. I, I feel like there's, you know, if, if, if you lose to that pair, then you shouldn't have been 7-0. So Agreed. this is a huge blow for the Packers. I'm sure outside of Aaron Rodgers, this is the last player that they would like to have gotten COVID and what is – pretty much their biggest game of the season so far and might be their biggest game of their season in general um i don't really know how much more i can i don't know how many different ways i can explain that not having devontae adams (laughs) on your football is a problem you usually do is bad yeah totally agreed totally agreed good stuff um but we will have some high caliber top three wide receiver, top four wide receiver, wherever you want to put D-Hop, but we will have a high-caliber receiver playing in this game, and that is DeAndre Hopkins, who actually is questionable right now, but hopefully plays. But D-Hop takes on a Jair Alexanderless Green Bay secondary this week. Jair Alexander, we already mentioned it. He's still on IR, and the Green Bay secondary without Jair have allowed big games to big-name receivers. In week five, they allowed 159 yards and a touchdown to Jamar Chase. And in week six, they allowed 122 yards and a touchdown to Terry McLaurin. And D-Hop, he's been balling out lately. Four touchdowns in his last three games. He's also, which I found this really surprising when I was looking at the target share numbers. He's third in the league for target share. Can you believe that? Like, oh. are, the, are the other two Christian Kirk and A.J. Green? Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it. these are the words of a frustrated deandre hopkins fantasy owner but there's it's not right even to be. that he's been bad there was just like two weeks where he played poorly and then he didn't make up for it with like 35 point performances and my team sucks so i'm gonna blame it on him there you go by the way i'm owing yeah. seven in our main league now so. he's getting he's uh, we're gonna we're gonna put this on the podcast so there's proof and there is substance of it happening. Kane Schwartz <laughs> will be getting a tattoo that says the words Owen, O-W-E-N. Nice little joke that we keep stabbing at him. Uh, he will be getting that tattooed on his left or right. Uh, you know, it's up to you guys, honestly. Okay. Uh, uh, undecided ass cheek. Um, we're going <laughs> to we're we're gonna take a vote as a league. Uh, decide the side, decide the cheek, but he will be getting Owen tattooed on his behind. I will. If I go without if, a win if this he, season. Yeah, if, if he goes Owen 14. Which 
I, I strongly doubt that I will not have a win this year, but if that happens, I deserve a Owen tattoo on my ass cheek for sure. And I will own up to it if I do not have a win this year. So, all right. Well, back to the game that we were covering. Uh, just wanted to mention one last thing about D hop. There is a right to be frustrated because he has yet to finish with more than 80 yards receiving on the year. So there is some frustration. Some would say he's even touchdown dependent. Some would say. <laughs> no, no. I know. I know. Some would say that. But anyway, let's hop into the spreads and the money lines for this game. The spread, Arizona is favored by minus six. The money lines, Arizona minus 270, Green Bay plus 220. And these lines are coming out after Devontae Adams has been basically ruled out for this game. So I'll start with my pick. I'm taking Arizona on the spread and the money line. I just like I I love Aaron Rodgers to death. I do. But he has been extremely dependent on Devontae Adams production. And I don't know if he can do it with the other options available against the only undefeated team left in the league and who has obviously balled out this season. So, yeah, give me Arizona on the spread the money line. What you think? Getting out. That was a that was a nice live yawn. In case anybody didn't know why that pause was there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you. I mean, you probably heard it on my brand new crisp podcast Ooh, microphone. You're right. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Arizona on both. It's just really hard. Like every single thing that like, uh, okay, this could go Green Bay's way. Now it goes Arizona's way just about everywhere. They're Arizona's at home. Arizona is not missing Devontae Adams. Uh, they're seven and zero, and they're obviously the hottest team in football right now because they're seven and zero. haven't lost yet. Uh, Kyler's played great. There's no Jerry Alexander for Green Bay either. They're just waiting on a lot of stars to come back. And the Cardinals have all their stars right now. So, yeah, I'm taking Arizona. As much as I want to take Green Bay, I'm taking Arizona. Yeah, me too. And I mentioned it earlier, they're out. They're without Jair Alexander. And I know the final score tells one story. And, and I hate to sound like a Washington football team fan, but I am. And – the final score tells you one thing, but this game was close for a very long time. Aaron Rodgers had to grind this one out. He did definitely did not have one of his classic performance performances against one of the, if not the worst defense in the league. So that might tell you something about this Green Bay team right now. And Aaron Rodgers didn't look that great in a game which he had Devontae Adams. So, yeah, you know, there's cause for concern in Green Bay without Devontae Adams and especially without Jair Alexander. So, yeah, Arizona spreading the money line. You heard it here first. So, with that, that does it for all of our content for this episode. I uh, just want to throw it out one more time, or I'll keep throwing it out until we get out to 100 followers. But we got the jersey giveaway going on on Instagram right now. Go ahead and like the posts. Go ahead and follow us. Get your friends to follow because as soon as we hit 100 followers, we are giving out that jersey. Um, as far as plans for the podcast go, we're going to try to get the TikTok a little bit uh, little bit more cooking up so that we can get some, uh, some more solid exposure. But, yeah, that does it this week. And we will catch you guys after the Thursday night football game.
So catch you later. Peace.